With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the D-Rays Bay Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brett Rutherford, and I'm joined once again by Danny Russell. Uh, coming back after our, our little Thanksgiving break and Danny, we've had we've had tons of Rays news uh, since the last time we recorded, and the biggest or one of the biggest stories is Randy Rosarena arrested in Mexico. So I know you've been plugged in. I'm, I'm kind of curious as to what your thoughts are on the whole incident. Yeah, I mean, what a, what a terrible week <laughs> for for a Rays baseball fan. Um, it's deserving that we talk about Randy first. Uh, I think we need to plot the agenda too, right? So we got Randy, we've got Charlie, and we've got Blake Snell on the trade block. I right? Mean, how did you how did you pick which thing we would talk about first? Randy um, was detained in Mexico related to a family dispute, and uh, that is the kind way of saying that uh, he has an ex partner with which he has a daughter in Mexico, and. Uh, according to the various accounts and to some video footage that we have and to also talking to people within the Rays as they have learned more information, Randy showed up at the home of his daughter, uh, which is uh, his ex-partner's home, and uh, had complaints or took issue with the level of care he saw happening. Um, In the video, uh, in the Spanish that Rosarena is speaking, you can hear him talking about how he provides uh, food, uh, he provides shoes, uh, kind of going off all the ways he he provides financial support, and he seems upset that his daughter does not have shoes to wear. And the daughter appears to be maybe two years old, uh, is crying in the video. It's a very uh, tough video to watch um, as there's a crowd of people gathered uh, outside and uh, he's holding his daughter while the daughter is crying. And we, we don't really know who the other people are in the video. A couple of people get kind of pushed around. Um, but it's, it's a sad incident. Um, it is, uh, it's a serious incident because it came with some allegations. Uh, those allegations were that Rosarena possibly uh, assaulted the father of, uh, of his ex-partner. And uh, maybe that was one of the pushes we saw in the crowd. <laughs> um, or, or maybe it happened off camera. We just don't know. But uh, what we do know is Mexico has a law. And that is when serious allegations like this are made. Uh, the individual involved is detained. And uh, we can call it an arrest. We can call it detained. I think uh, it's, it's a different legal system. But it's not a true arrest because you haven't been arrested for cause you've been arrested for an allegation and so i think it's just a bit of a different mentality and i think that's why a lot of news sources uh, defaulted to saying detained and uh after the required 48 hours a rosarena was released um 
there are two possible reasons, actually more than that, but really two general reasons why he would have been released after 48 hours. One is that the judge presiding over the case said there was no evidence to support the allegations. We're not charging him. We're not booking him. He's free to go. And that is what a Rosa Reina's camp is saying. That's the judge's conclusion. ESPN uh, reported there might have been some form of a settlement or agreement reached with the ex-partner's family. And uh, we don't know if that's true. We don't know if a settlement was reached about the allegations. We don't know if the settlement was reached in some sort of continued child support uh, or, or visitation rights or, or who knows. It's a very uh, messy situation because it's people and people dealing with uh, families that are not together anymore. And uh, for those who um, might be able to relate to that experience, uh, or even if you don't, I hope your heart just goes out to everyone involved, and particularly his daughter. Based on the video evidence that we have, Rosa Reina it seems primarily concerned with the level of care his daughter is receiving. And I think that's my personal takeaway. That is not an official stance of D-Rays Bay. That is not an official stance of Rays Baseball. Uh, it, it is a stance of, of Rosa in his camp. And based on the video evidence, we can agree with that. It certainly seems like Randy cares about his daughter. Uh, as for the allegations that uh, he assaulted someone along the way, not clear. Uh, and we can't make a determination, yes or no. MLB will perform their own investigation and uh, uh, have historically come to the appropriate conclusions on that. Um, but we also need to know that uh, these news sources uh, are quick with the accusations. O'Neill Cruz is a is a uh, Hispanic baseball player who was in a car accident, a tragic car accident, people died. Uh, but the initial reports involved allegations of drunk driving or some odd things like that. None of that proved to be true. I think it involved a motorcycle that had three people on it and didn't have their lights on driving in the dark. Um, you know, the, the, the news comes fast and salacious sometimes when it comes from uh, south of the border. And I don't mean that dismissively. Uh, there is good news reporting that happens as well. But uh, when it comes to things like allegations, uh, I just invite everyone to take it with a grain of salt. And if MLB performs their investigation and finds that uh, there's truth to an assault allegation, or you know, if they find some truth to the other allegation, which is like child kidnapping, which is really just a Rosarina walking out of the house with his daughter. Um, and, and maybe potentially trying to drive away. And based on the video, we have a Rosarina standing by his car, making some phone calls, talking to a police officer. And, uh, you know, the, again, a judge did not rule. So we don't have the legal system playing out as support. So we have MLB's investigation to come, and uh, we don't have much else. Yeah, I mean, Dan, I think you did a great job of, of laying it out there. We're not gonna we're not gonna speculate on this story, uh, not, not on this podcast, or I'm, I'm assuming not on D Ray's Bay. And I think yeah. you did a great job laying out everything there, and, and and we'll discuss if there's more to be discussed. But as for now, that that's pretty much all we know. Uh, the the that video, like you said, is on the site. Um, it is, yeah, it's 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 a bit troubling, uh, and and really, all we hope for is the best for for their family and for. That little girl. So, 
Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, let's, let's move on from that and uh, let's get back to the diamond. Uh, Charlie Morton signs with the Atlanta Braves. <laughs> oh, oh, happy news. <laughs> yeah. One year, $15 million. Danny, the last time you and I spoke, you, and I quote, said that not bringing Charlie Morton back would be a fireable offense. I don't know if you was, were expecting me to, to shoot it over to you with that comment, but I'll give the floor to you. I mean, yeah, I said it. I will, I will wear it. I will own it. So here's the thing. The question is, where does that accountability rest? If the Rays failed to bring back Charlie Morton because of shenanigans related to messing around with his contract option and declining it, and trying to save a couple bucks and it just backfired when they had the budget for this. Yeah. That feels like a, a pretty egregious error to be missing the postseason hero of both 2019's wild card and 2020's ALCS. I mean, I know Charlie's 37, but it's, uh, it, we, we have a whole podcast on the reasons why we should have bring Charlie Morton back. Now here's the other thing I'll say. If he's not coming back because there was no budget for it in general, that's shocking. That is a a different issue entirely because $15 million for a player of Charlie Morton's caliber is nothing. Robbie Ray, who is atrocious, signed for $8 million. Uh, Injured pitchers coming back from injury like Drew Smiley are saying for $11 million, and he's not the only one. It makes no sense in my brain that you would not value Charlie Morton at $15 million. I think that's that's kind of the point here, and I, I would like to go back at some point and talk more about the reasons why the Rays couldn't secure his signature. But now, looking forward, the Rays don't have Charlie Morton. He is with Atlanta. And look at the rest of the starting pitching market. Like you said, Robbie Ray, $8 million, one-year deal. Drew Smiley, $11 million, one-year deal to the Atlanta Braves. If the Rays are going to try to get a pitcher close to Charlie Morton's caliber, and this was kind of our point the last time we spoke, they're not going to be able to do it for $15 million. Maybe they can take a flyer on a guy that, that, that ends up having a good season. We have no idea what Charlie Morton's going to look like next year. But that was always my worry, is if you, you had Charlie Morton, who you could have just accepted his option, not left it up to chance. Instead, now... You're leaving it up to chance where you have to either bring in a pitcher as a free agent or from the trade market or try to pit, patch it up in-house. None of those options I'm really confident in the Rays being able to maintain the same level of play or improve on that level of play from a team that was the, they're the reigning American League champions. They, had a, they won the American League East by seven games. The expectations are raised. I think they're still a very good team, minus Charlie Morton. But the expectations for fans and for the organization should be more than just a really good team. They should be trying to contend for a World Series title. And I don't know. It's it's frustrating. And I'm usually not the one to be frustrated by moves like this. It seems kind of typical for the Rays to do something similar to this. And usually I'm not up in arms. I might be disappointed, but it's not something I would come onto this podcast and rant about. This one, this one stinks. And I don't know if you feel the same way, Danny. I completely feel the same way. And what's tough about this is I don't think the Rays are done cost cutting. It is not going to be surprising if you see Kevin Kiermaier traded. 
and not surprising though, because the Rays have acquired two center fielders in the last year, in addition to Kevin Kiermaier, both Mamo Margot and then Brett Phillips, who can form a pretty quality platoon probably in terms of defense. So, uh, you know, Kevin Kiermaier makes a lot of money and the Rays don't have a lot of money apparently. So, uh, but on the flip side, if you trade away Kevin Kiermaier, remind me why you couldn't afford Charlie Morton. If that's the plan, Blake Snell has been rumored to be on the trade block. That makes zero sense if uh, if you're a team that thinks you're going to compete next year. That that might. I, I don't buy a whole lot into the Blake Snell rumors, and, and we're going to look into that in a second. But char- going back to, to, to Charlie Morton, I really wanted, want to give either Eric Neander or, or someone else in the front office uh, some truth serum and find out what they thought the chances were of Charlie Morton signing elsewhere. Because on our last podcast... When we talked about Charlie Morton's option being declined, we said there are three potential outcomes. Either it comes back to the Rays, he retires, or he goes elsewhere. And we said that him going elsewhere was the least likely of those outcomes. I'm curious to see, like, do, did the Rays also see that as, a, as a, an unlikely outcome? And all of a sudden, and I, I don't know if you remember, I mentioned the Atlanta Braves, if you, they come calling. And, the team that drafted him. Yeah, right. And... They threw 50. I didn't think they would be able to get him for one year, $15 million, the same contract that he had with the Rays. Because Charlie Morton said time and time again, I'd love to be back in Tampa Bay if they have me. Other than that, I'm not sure if I'm going to continue my career. He wasn't even sure about continuing his career before he signed with the Rays. Now he And goes, the Braves just dropped $11 million on Drew Smiley. They spent $25 million, $26 million like that on, on Charlie Morton, who's a very known quantity. Drew Smiley, who there was some good baseball in 2020, but very small sample. He's dealt with a lot of injuries in the past, but they just dropped $25 million just like that to bring these two pitchers in into what was already a pretty good rotation. And I'm not trying to compare the race to any other organization because oftentimes you can't. Most times you can't. But to see the Braves do that, a team that they were in the NLCS last year, they're kind of in the same boat as the Rays in terms of where they see themselves in the baseball landscape. They just went out and made a a very concentrated effort to improve their pitching staff. I don't know if the Rays are going to do that this offseason. They might. Hopefully I'm surprised. But right now I'm just not very confident in that. Oh, So what I alluded to a second ago, I'm just going to go ahead and say, if you can't afford Charlie Morton at $15 million because the budget isn't there, sell the team. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, that's kind of what it boils down to. And we have, no I, I, I don't understand raise finances at this point and they have, have no incentive or, or requirement. Well, I mean, sometimes, and I get that a pandemic's happening, but uh, it, the conversation about the raise finances has always come about, talking about a television contract or it's come about asking uh, how much do the race have to contribute to a stadium but the Rays made a meaningful bid for craig kimbrell not too long now that would have been disastrous thank god that didn't work out uh you know shocking that they were in the bidding shocking it didn't work out (laughs) and then shocking that uh uh he was horrendous but um you know this is clearly an organization that can make a splash if it really wants to, if Eric Neander really throws down the gauntlet is like, I want this guy. It sounds like he can make the bids. Now, something 
terrible happened in terms of the pandemic and revenue sources. Part of that's maybe having 100 less games, 100 fewer. Part of that is not having gate receipts for playoff games, which is bad news bears. But also the Braves were in the playoffs and didn't have gate revenue and apparently can throw down $26 million like it's nothing. So I I just, I, I'm assuming that ownership has required payouts the ownership is not just one person it's a it's a vast group of people who have um, invested in tampa bay rays baseball and uh because of that i will assume that there are payouts that go back to ownership uh in dividends in some way shape or form i don't know this at all i am speculating but because of that uh core belief i have i am believing that that is how you get into a situation where you lose charlie morton in such an embarrassing fashion i hate it yeah it stinks and from a purely baseball perspective and in terms of how the team is going to either improve stay around the same level or maybe even get worse come next season would you feel a lot not better but would it will soften the blow if either one of yanni torinos or brendan mckay were healthy going into next season or both would you feel a lot better about the rotation and the team as a whole with losing Charlie Morton if you had any number of those guys that are injured? Yeah, McKay, for sure. Um, or if Brent Honeywell is another great example of uh, – and he might pitch next season, so who knows. But but recovering from several injuries, so now it's just different. But if McKay is fully healthy, if his 2020 is a healthy season and he does not have exploratory shoulder surgery or whatever the heck that was, and then your rotation is Snell, Glass now, Yarbrough. Yarbrough, McKay, Fleming? Yeah, or McClanahan or Honeywell or... It's not McClanahan yet. I uh, yeah, it's a toss-up. It's probably a battle in camp and probably... Uh, I don't feel good. No. That the, that feels like we have, we're calling an Eric Bedard. That's what that feels like. Oof. And that's not a World Series team. That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. But, well, Charlie Morton, like we talked about it. I know Ryan Yarbrough, and even, I think, I, I, don't, I can't remember who wrote the piece, but it might have been Austin Ryman, uh, that has been the most consistent piece of this Rays rotation. But Charlie Morton was pretty dang consistent, too. And, and to have a guy like that, we, we, we talked about it. He's a veteran. He was a, he was a leader in the clubhouse. That's really comforting, I think, as a fan, to know that he's getting the ball every fifth day. He's going to compete. He's going to keep you in the game. Uh, these are all very terrible baseball cliches, but I'm using them anyways. No, but it's accurate. You can trust it. And he's a star. Right. Like, it's just, I mean, he. Uh, it doesn't matter that he was a veteran. The Trop is selling Charlie effing Morton t-shirts. Like, what are we doing? <sighs> yeah, it, no, it stings. And uh, in, in terms of cutting costs, you mentioned Kevin Kiermeyer potentially. I think we've talked about it every offseason episode. There's a chance he moves, and the, the Brett Phillips trade really kind of felt like that was setting up at least the the idea of trading Kiermaier this winter. The other name, though, that, I, again, we can debate the, the credibility of this rumor, yeah. uh, Blake Snell. Uh, was it Mark Feinsand that, that originally reported? Yeah, Feinstein, yeah. And the, the report basically said that the Rays aren't actively shopping Blake Snell, but they're open to trading him. What do you take of that? Uh, yep, correct. Uh, every single player on the Tampa Bay Rays is available for sale. 
it, I, I would include Wander Franco at this point. I don't think there's a single individual in the 2020 offseason that is not for sale. Has that ever not been the case, though? Sure. Uh, if you asked me uh, before the pandemic, I would say Franco's untouchable, Glassdale's untouchable, Snell's untouchable, McKay. I, I would have given you those four names, 100%. Uh, I, there's not a replacement for Adamas, and so you don't really think about it. Um, now, this year, there is a replacement for Adamas. You've got Taylor Walls and Wanda Franco, so Adamas for sale. Uh, Snell is making a heck of a lot of money, apparently. Apparently. You know, he's making that Robbie Ray money. So <laughs> trade Blake Snell. Um, it, or at least consider it. Uh, I believe it's the Twitter account Ray's Metrics who uh, uh, pointed out that Blake Snell and Chris Sale kind of had a similar trajectory as in careers and then uh, were traded. And, you know, if there's a Chris Sale return sitting out there for Blake Snell, sure. If the Padres, who I think is the only team that could do that, decided they just wanted Blake Snell so bad that they would pay Chris Sale prices, uh-huh. sure, dude, go <laughs> ahead. I think that's a point where the Tampa Bay Rays, as an organization, are just like, okay, yeah, we're not gonna, we're not going to, you, you can God, uh, Godfather offer for Blake Snell, sure, no worries. Right. Maybe, maybe that's what they were attempting to do, and maybe they gave that little tidbit to Mark Feinstein, and maybe they're seeing who, you know, who picks up the phone. And I, again, I don't know. I, the timeline would be Blake Snell. He's got three more years on his contract after this, I believe. The timeline would be for one more year or two more years. So then the team that trades for him has one or two years left, still at a very team friendly price. This far out with three years, like you said, it would take a haul. It doesn't seem something the Rays would be inclined to do unless that haul was there. So I'm not worried about it. Uh, again, it's a trade that I necessarily wouldn't would would be shocked by. Uh, but if it, there is a concentrated cost cutting effort by the Rays, that if you look at the end of the off season. They decline Charlie Morton's option. They trade Kevin Kiermeyer and they trade Blake Snell. And then they bring in a Robbie Ray-esque player. Um, uh, Taiwan Walker, come on down. <laughs> that might be something that, one, would be devastating for the team, devastating for the fans. and But it also might force Major League Baseball's hand, and maybe not right away as we're still recovering from the, 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 uh, the pandemic, but in, in terms of a salary floor, that you have a team that won your American League pennant, they were in your World Series, and then traded their three highest paid players the, the, over the next the course of the next couple months to then, you know, I don't even know what the payroll would be like. We got to get through arbitration and they probably have to pick up a million dollar reliever here and there. But it would be an incredibly low payroll. Uh, it would feel like a, like a 1990s, like mid-level payroll. So... Do you you think like that could lead to, again, we're we're speculating here, if all of these moves happened and fall into place, do you think that could lead to like larger scale changes in the way that Major League Baseball operates? I think it's possible only because all the other leagues do this. Baseball is the exception to the rule. Now, I don't think the people involved have the incentives to make this happen, but it should. I agree with you 100%. There should be extremely clear 
uh, sources of revenue that are known both to the players association and among the owners. There should be um, reasonable revenue sharing that doesn't get thwarted by things like a pandemic. There should be um, a salary floor. And in my opinion, the trade-off is a cap. And that is the reason why this won't happen. Because the MLB Players Association is incentivized to take care of the few richest people in the Players Association and convince the rest of the Players Association that they too can be one of the richest people in the sport. And I think it's uh, the incentives are just wrong. They're not in the right place. This is a true raise your voice right now. I'm just going off. No, I'm, I'm here for <laughs> but, it. But it's, uh, this is, again, my opinion and not the rest of the sites. But my gosh, let's define what the revenue sources are and implement a floor. Because the Tampa Bay Rays, if they, if they did all the things you just said, are, are bad for baseball. Which, again, we'll emphasize, none of those things have happened yet. Kevin Kiermaier and Blake Snell are still with the Rays for now. But it's going to be a long winter. Uh, um, Danny, before we go, do you have any positive predictions about the off season and potentially adding players to the roster. Yeah. I think uh, we might see a trade this week, this week, this week, because the uh, non-tender deadline is coming up and uh, it totally wouldn't surprise me to see. Well, okay. My fingers crossed is JT Morgan's uh, simulation uh, trade of Joey Wendell for Vince Velasquez. Bring him on down. Yes. Give me a picture. I can build a dream on. All right. Oh, the Rays will be the ones to finally figure out Vince. Bring him on down. And, and it would be nice to see Joey Wendell involved in a trade that it shows the other team might at least value him some rather than a non-tender or a move for a player to be named later or cash considerations where you're kind of just moving on from him. So that would be awesome for Joey Wendell, who we've kind of talked about. Darby and I mentioned he might be the odd man out with Taylor Walls coming up, obviously Wanda Franco, Vidal Brujan. All of these switch hitting middle infielders, guys that can you can kind of move around, kind of take up his roster spot. So I'd love to have Joey Wendell back, but if he is the guy to go, because the forty man roster is full right now, they're gonna have to move someone. Uh that that would uh that would be a good move for him if that happens. But yeah, I don't know, maybe uh maybe the next time we're recording we've got a JT Ralmuto's signature. Who knows? Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, James Paxton is signs to the Tampa Bay Rays for fifteen million and then we I get to eat crow on this podcast. I would love that. <laughs> that'd be Just, great. That'd be that'd be fantastic. But in the meantime, Joey Wendell's making two million dollars. So I'm gonna assume the Rays are trying to move him. Manuel Margot's making three million dollars and apparently look. It's it's a sad state for for race baseball. Uh, that sounds like a lot of money. If you can't move Kevin Kiermaier, maybe Manuel Margot gets traded or cut because that's three point two million dollars, whatever he's projected to make. That uh, the Rays apparently just don't have. So I would expect some extreme cost cutting. But heck, they probably trade Sutsugo if they can because you've got Randy in left field, and Yandy Diaz is only in his first year, I think, of four years of arbitration. So, whatever. Uh, if you can trade Sutsugo, trade him. If you can, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's rough. It's the, I don't have positive feelings <laughs> about, about the state of the world series, uh, losing Tampa Bay Rays. It's so hard to get to the playoffs and you were a couple million short on Charlie Morton and trying to run it back. Yeah. Come on. 
Well, and maybe they know something we don't. Maybe the playoffs won't be as hard to get to next season. Uh, We'll see. We haven't heard anything official about that yet. But one last question. I asked Darby this last week. We we kind of finished on this. In terms of guys that are going into arbitration, that their their spot on the team might be a little uncertain. What do you think about Jose Alvarado? Oh, gosh. (laughs) Oh, man. So one website thinks he might make like a million bucks. But Uh a guy that has only pitched 39 innings over the last two years. And not the best innings. The Rays might just say, uh, I'll see you later. What do you think? I feel like it's within the realm of possibility that he gets cut or something. Man, that'd be so stupid. That would be so bad. And I could totally see the Rays doing that. I hope not. Because I, I, I love Jose. He's a great pitcher. He was in line to be the closer. Yeah, he's a high leverage pitcher. Like, those don't grow on trees. And the last two uh, years have been rough injury-wise and a lot going on in his personal life. So you, you'd hope to see him get a, at least one more chance to, to go back to... he doesn't really to, have the trade value to trade. Right, right. Especially as a reliever, you know, so... Maybe you can get Andrew Moore. If you had to guess, though, I didn't mean to... I'm not trying to put bad more, more bad thoughts into your head. If you had to guess, is Jose Alvarado back in, in, in 2020 or 2021? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. All right, there you go. There's your positive news, Rays fans, that we'll, we'll finish the show on, so... That's going to do it for this week's episode of Raise Your Voice. We hope everyone had a, uh, a fun and a safe Thanksgiving. We'll be back next week, maybe with some trade news or free agency news or who knows. It might be good. It might be bad. We'll see. But thank you guys for listening. If you want every episode from our podcast feed downloaded directly to your device, make sure to subscribe. And as always, make sure to head on over to DRaysBay.com to check out all of the great off-season coverage. There's been a ton of great stuff already since the World Series wrapped up. Once again, thank you for listening. Thank you to Danny for hopping on, and I'll talk to you next week.